Hi, friends. Thank you for clicking play again on another episode of Pondering Purple. Do you remember the priest in Princess Bride, the one who married the star-crossed lovers with his comical accent? Well, I'm not going to try to imitate it here, but I'd like you to imagine it kind of as the backdrop or soundtrack as I dive into the topic of MKs and marriage. But before I do that, can I ask a favor of you? Could you give this podcast a like or rating on whatever platform you're using to listen? I'm thrilled, thrilled by the number of listeners tuning in every other week for new episodes, but I'd love for Pondering Purple to reach an even broader audience, and the only way that's going to happen is through you. So just consider it. No obligation and no hurt feelings if you don't. So let's talk about knowledge, shall we? As I've led sessions with MKs and missions groups around the globe, I've seen an increase in questions regarding MKs and marriage. Why is it that some of us struggle in this area? Why do we often hesitate to commit? What all the questions seem to point to is this one. Are MKs at a disadvantage for long-term relationships? My short answer is no, we aren't. But we live in a world where any marriage, regardless of spousal backgrounds, stands a disheartening chance of ending in divorce. I've seen MK marriages succeed beautifully, and a few of them end miserably. But anecdotally speaking, I'd say that our marriages tend to end less frequently in breakups. So, in no way am I implying that being an MK puts a person at a greater disadvantage for till death do us part, but there are a few factors specific to MKs that might play into our marriage difficulties when they arise, factors people who aren't one of us might not be aware of. And I thought it might be helpful in an effort to promote a deeper understanding and manage these MK symptoms to mention five of them here, just in case one or more of these might be lurking in your subconscious. I'm going to be addressing these fairly briefly, but I hope something you hear today might turn on a little light bulb in your head or maybe prompt some ongoing conversation. This is MKs and Marriage. One of those factors could be longing to fill the void. One of the most challenging aspects of the missionary lifestyle is the scarcity of consistent relationships. I addressed this a little bit in my episode on grief. The mobility of families on the mission field has several causes, some of which might be job changes, political unrest, a nomadic lifestyle, fundraising failures, and short-term commitments. Consequently, the number of goodbyes MKs say by the time they're 18 can leave young people feeling relationally bereft and craving the luxury of loving and being loved for more than a year or two at a time. It's that yearning for effective stability that makes marriage so appealing to so many of us. It's what prompts some MKs to marry prematurely, before they're fully baked, so to speak, out of an intense need to finally be promised a lifetime with someone they love. The marriage contract voids the inescapable goodbyes of the missionary life, at least with this one person. He or she can't be taken from them for the usual ministry reasons, and there's blissful comfort in that safety. 
The danger is in jumping into an I-do relationship too fast out of desperation or the need for solace when neither party is really ready for a lifelong commitment. Another reason some MKs might struggle is lack of practice. Most of our friendships end within a couple of years, so once the excitement of meeting, loving, and wedding is over, the concept of forever can become a challenging thing. We're good at the first weeks and months of friendship. We find their roller coaster exhilarating, a familiar swirl of discovery, self revelation, and bonding. But when the ride slows down, when the adrenaline rush settles into a more mundane reality, we're left with a relationship that doesn't feed us the way it once did. Gone is the manic need to cram as much togetherness as possible into the limited hours and days we've got. Our relationship begins to feel flat and dull because it no longer possesses that urgency of, you're going to be gone soon. Because that intense, fast-tracked relationship model gets hardwired into MKs at a young age, we may become more easily dissatisfied with happily or boringly ever after. This can put us at risk of leaving a static, long-term commitment in order to feel that familiar thrill of time-restricted relationships again, something more galvanizing than the ordinary everydayness of a for-life marriage. A third reason some of us might struggle is something I call overdeveloped wings. There's a saying in the MK world that we either have overdeveloped roots or overdeveloped wings. Our response to high mobility is either to anchor deep and permanently or to maintain a hummingbird lifestyle of freedom and motion. For some MKs, the greatest torture they can imagine is being tied down, whether it be by a career, obligations, or marriage. Let me add a parenthesis here. This fear of getting stuck can actually be a powerful deterrent for some MKs to enter into marriage in the first place. Though a lot of MKs do well with putting down roots and settling into a predictable life, many of them refuse to do so or end up resenting when they've been forced to. For those with wings on steroids, marriage after a while can feel like too much permanence. Life without the option of an immediate and radical change feels stifling, crippling. That loss of independence and mobility is a potent disincentive to stick with something as stable as marriage. Reason number four is a multi-versus-mono kind of thing. This is specific to MKs who marry monocultural spouses, people who have experienced just one culture all their lives. When I speak with MKs, I encourage them not to consider monocultural love interests as inferior or boring. We have so much to learn from each other. Monoculturals from us strange global nomads and MKs from those who have spent their lifetimes in one place, connected to culture and family in a way we can barely imagine. It is possible for multiculturals to have healthy, joyful, complementary marriages with monoculturals. I've seen it happen, and it's a beautiful thing when it does. For some MKs, though, it's a real struggle, perhaps because they haven't done their work to understand themselves or the needs and presuppositions they carry. For them, the initial years of marriage can be good, whatever differences or frustrations they experience easily quelled by new love and all those firsts, the starter home, the budding career, the children. 
It all makes life exciting. Their love for their partner is real and profound, and they're happy to settle into a small world life, at least initially. But for a number of these MKs, there comes a time when something connects them back to the person they used to be, to the broad, exotic world in which they used to thrive, and they find themselves yearning to expand the borders of their settled lives because they think they can't be fully third-cultured if they're trapped in a single-culture existence. Granted, there's little one can do to infuse cultural complexity into someone who hasn't experienced it firsthand, but that doesn't mean a monocultural spouse can't have a healthy curiosity about the broader world. Cross-cultural openness can go a long way towards bridging the multi-mono gap. Sadly, when that isn't there, it's possible for MKs to begin seeing their spouse as a symbol of the small world mentality they reject and oftentimes resent. Those MKs might break up or divorce in the hope of returning to a life in which they're able to exist between worlds again. I've known a few who have succeeded, but those who haven't were left with an exacerbated feeling of dissatisfaction, even guilt, deep regret for the pain they caused in an attempt to reclaim a multifaceted wholeness they haven't entirely been able to achieve. Well, that got a bit dark, so let's talk about sex. Inconceivable! Some MKs struggle with marriage because they entered into it for the most basic of reasons, so they could have sex. It's as simple as that. They grow up being told to stuff down their hormones and be ashamed of their impulses, and some will marry spontaneously and far too young because they do want to reserve sex for marriage, and honestly, it feels easier to walk down that aisle rather than try to be good for too long. Don't get me wrong, abstinence is a noble and biblical approach, but it's so often mispreached, misapplied, and misexecuted, particularly in the traditionally conservative world of ministry. Unfortunately, if permission to have sex is the primary incentive pushing young people to get married, there may not be a whole lot of relational depth to draw from when the inevitable challenges of marriage crop up. The relief of finally being able to engage in sex is a meager trade-off when a commitment made in haste leads to broken vows, disillusion, and a damaging sense of failure. If I get really brave, I might devote an entire future episode to reclaiming a clear, healthy sexuality in the missionary world, but that's not for today. Back to MKs and matrimony— It is a complex topic, and I've only touched briefly here on some pretty complicated points. This is, in my mind, a conversation that needs to continue, or even just begin, in all kinds of Christian circles. I'm hoping this episode is an invitation to just that. Before I end, I want to say again that I've known and observed so many marriages in which MKs have found true, long-term unity, joy, and fulfillment. Being an MK does not put us at a greater disadvantage than anyone else. There isn't a person on earth who doesn't bring a trunkful of baggage into long-term relationships. The only difference is that our suitcases are covered in international stickers, lovingly placed there over all our lives' transitions. Our bags aren't heavier, they're different, they're multicultural, 
And if we open and unpack them, explore and understand them, their potential to hinder can be diffused and their capacity to enhance can be released. What an asset our MK baggage can be. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Just as a side note, if you thought you heard thunder at some points in this episode, you actually did. It turns out I've been recording during a tornado warning. As always, make sure you check the episode notes for links to this article and to my social media pages. And please don't hesitate to connect with me through my website or the contact options I've given you. And as I mentioned before, I'd be grateful if you'd like, rate, or review this podcast on whatever platform you're using. As I wrap up this recording today, I pray that it might bring some clarity to the relationship you're in or the relationship you're hoping for. Whatever your situation might be, I want you to know that I celebrate the purple you are, or if you're parents of MKs, the purple you love. Thank you for your time.